Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Here we are, another edition of What Barry's Talking About from Barry 360. I'm Dan Blakely. On this week's program, we hear from our Sasquatch hunting friend at Trent University, who is in possession of what he believes is audio and video of Bigfoot captured in our region. Fire Prevention Week begins on Sunday with a focus this year on kitchen fires, the leading cause of fires in the home. We get some timely advice, especially with a lot of activity in the kitchen this Thanksgiving weekend. The Barry Colts went two for three to open their season. Colts commentator Gene Pereira looks back at some of the high points. But first, Barry police are looking to get more female boots on the ground, holding a Women in Policing Information session October 17th, a chance for women to speak with a recruiter, review their application, and get their questions answered. Barry 360's Ian McLennan gets a few answers from Barry Constable Melanie Turner. Why is there a need for such an event? Well, we would really like to see more women apply. I think that they are a huge part of our community. And um, right now, we're, we're just not getting the female applicants. So this would be a good opportunity to just get the word out there. If they're thinking about it, this is the time to apply. Um, I don't know if you have numbers, or but is, is there quite a ratio between uh, the number of you know men that are in the service? Uh, I'm not talking civilian, but uh, in, in, you know, those that are got boots on the ground, so to speak. So there, there are uh, less women that do work. It, it is still primarily males. However, we do have a, an abundance of women. I, I think we're just sitting just around the twenty percent um, mark, which is very good. But um, again, it would be something that would be important to increase because they are just a, um, as much a part of our community and they represent our community as well. So what we have in the community and what we have in the service, I think there needs to be a balance. Women bring certain qualities to the table, just like all the other applicants do. Uh, verbal de-escalation, um, calm demeanors, they have many skill sets, and it's just a piece of the puzzle. We just need to fill the puzzle and make the picture perfect, right? And we can do that with having a variety of different people. So that includes women. What are the encouragement factors, you know, to join the service? Well, it's a great career. It's We have benefits. We have... You're going to have a job for pretty much 30 years. Um, and those types of careers are not typical these days. You you know you're always going to have pay. You're not going to have all those external worries with um, your paycheck and how week-to-week living expenses. So it, there's consistency. Um, that This career is great for all people in that, in that kind of capacity. However, specifically for women... Um, 
There are different job opportunities uh, for both males and women um, throughout their career. So if you are on the road and there's opportunities to move on to an investigative unit, um, for example, uh, investigations, crimes against persons unit, you, you're dealing with uh, victims um, of domestic violence. Uh, the victims actually have a choice of a female or a male investigator. So it's just another important point to be able to give the people who are coming to us in need in time of crisis, something that's going to make them more comfortable. And, and women are a part of that. So, so if, oh, I'm in grade 12 or I'm in post-secondary or I'm, you know, in my 20s, I'm into a certain career. Are you looking for a certain skill set before they even come through the door? Or, uh, you, know, you know, how do, sh- should I go or shouldn't I go? Well, here's the thing. According to uh, the requirements, you you need to have your Ontario uh, Secondary School Diploma. However, um, extra education is definitely a value. Um, It gives you uh, more skill sets with critical thinking, a little bit more knowledge about an overview of what to experience. Some A lot of people go to police foundations courses or criminology. Um, That's one route that people often take. Um, It it just gives them a little bit of time to uh, mature and and get ready for this type of world. We deal with very realistic situations and sometimes a little bit of life experience. It helps. And if you're going to get that through education or whether you're going to go out into the workforce and and get it that way, they're both going to be useful. So I I don't discourage either or, but sometimes it it just may benefit. It depends on the individual. Can you apply on the spot or or is there an explanation there how you apply and go through the process? So the process, it's actually um, on our website under join our team um, under police constable. So it's a staged approach. The first uh, part would be uh, submitting a, a complete and detailed application along with a cover letter, your resume, and any other um, documents that you may have. So your your diplomas from college, high school, uh, your CPR, your first aid, um, those are all general requirements. You do need to have a driver's license also, and you need to either be a Canadian citizen or a permanent resident. So those are two other factors. And all the the um, stipulations are right there on the first uh, page, and there's a checklist there for them. How long have you been in uh, policing? Uh, th- I'm approaching my 21st year. So I've done a variety of different things, and it, for me, I, I've loved every minute of my career. So you've seen lots of changes, too, in terms of uh, you know where women are in, in, in policing. Um, what have been some of the big changes and what might be some of the barriers do you think that maybe, you know, holding back somebody applying, whether it's Barry South Simcoe or another service? I, I, I love our service. I, I came here. I, this is a place I wanted to work. If you want to work and you want to commit to your community and you are a person that feels that you have something to give, this is the job for you, female or male. There's no bar- there's no barriers uh, in the service. I, there's always opportunities for everyone to apply. There's lots of movement. I've had various opportunities, and I've had numerous different positions I've held throughout the 21 years I've worked in. I've never felt um, that I was persuaded not to because of my gender. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think things are changing. I just think that we just need to get the word out there that this is a great place to work. Policing is a great career, and you have any interest, now is the time to apply. So come through the door, and you might surprise yourself what's what's available. Absolutely. Um, and that's why we're offering this session, because it's going to be one-on-one. They're going to sit down with myself and our uh, 
administrator. She's going to be with us. She does all the intake of the applications. She's the one that sees where a lot of questions may arise and is often having correspondence back and forth with the applicants. I can also answer a lot of those questions as well. In that way, it just gives the person a little bit more at ease. It's a more intimate environment. Uh, it's supposed to be relaxed. Um, we're there for them to learn and to, to learn a little bit about us. Again, this Women in Policing event takes place Tuesday, October 17th from 6 till 8 p.m. at the Barry Police Service Training Building on Bell Farm Road. More information and a link to RSVP to the session can be found at barrypolice.ca slash women in policing employment information session. Dark shadow walking through the woods, a groaning audio recording. Could they be Sasquatch? Ryan Willis, who heads up the Sasquatch Society at Trent University in Peterborough, thinks they are. He's with Barry 360's Will Conkett. So you've made some uh, discoveries in your Sasquatch search. Uh, some audio and footage has been released on your TV show, uh, Sasquatch University. Um, Ryan, tell me exactly what you've found. Yeah, so uh, we we're very fortunate to have some uh, witnesses from across Ontario. Uh, get in touch with us with with some of these different pieces of evidence. So uh, yeah, they're pretty interesting. Um, you know, uh, I, I guess it's hard to pick which one uh, is my favorite. But um, you know, I, I really do love the yeah, the audio clip we got from Great County. It was pretty cool. And um, yeah, you know, I, I fully believe it's a Sasquatch. We brought it to um, the Ministry of Natural Resources. They can identify it as a known animal, and we brought it to some very well-known Bigfoot researchers that said. Uh, you know, they think it's most likely Sasquatch. So, um, yeah, I, I thought that was uh, super cool. And then obviously the other pieces of evidence there are uh, pretty awesome as well. And we, we cover all of them in the show and kind of uh, what we find out about them. Kind of a teaser on it. I'm going to uh, maybe play the audio of the howl if you're all right with that. It's about 20 seconds long and then uh, we can uh, go from there. Ryan, what is your knee-jerk reaction to that sound? What does it tell you? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, my first reaction to it was kind of, uh, you know, what what is this thing? Because it really doesn't sound like, um, you know, any other animal I, I've heard. Uh, you know, I listen to a lot of, um, you know, bear audio and, you know, wolf out, like different, different uh, you know, very well-known animals we have here in Ontario. And, uh, yeah, it really doesn't match with, with any of those. I mean, kind of like I mentioned before. Um, yeah, we brought it to the Ministry of Natural Resources, and they said they couldn't, uh, you know, identify that as any known animal. And, um, yeah, we brought it to a lot of very well-known people in the Bigfoot world that, uh, you know, felt um, it was a, a Sasquatch that, that made that howl. So um, I'm quite convinced that that's what it was, and, um, you know, just the, the power of it and everything like that you can hear in there is uh, is pretty cool. So, um, yeah, yeah, I guess that's kind of uh, my my reaction to it. In the video that you have, um, the Bigfoot is actually caught walking through the woods in the daytime. Did you expect it to be in the daytime? No, I mean, usually, um, you know, when, when we even go looking, we always go and do it uh, at night because, um, you know, a lot of the evidence or reports really points to these creatures uh, kind of being a little bit more nocturnal in, in, in some of their uh, activities. But, um, you know, people do see them in the day uh, all the time. So, um, you know, it wasn't a huge surprise that, that a video came in, um, you know, of one uh, walking around at the day. But, but yeah, I was able to meet with a gentleman um, 
in uh, the Muskoka region that, that got the uh, video. And, um, you know, he, he uh, I, I felt he was very credible. He had a lot of emotion, um, you know, about it. It was just pretty freaked out that this thing was there on his property. And, uh, but yeah, it was pretty cool to see and get to talk to him about it. And, um, yeah. Yeah, so uh, no, it was a really cool video for sure. And then, sorry, flipping right uh, right back to the sound again, was that the best uh, like quality of hearing a howl like that? I mean, there's been a lot of different um, you know pieces of Bigfoot audio collected over the years, so I guess it's kind of hard to pick uh, which one would be considered the the best. I guess it's kind of uh, up to people's opinion, but it's certainly um, you know a very good piece, and um, you know I think definitely could be up there with the with the best uh, that's been taken over the past you know. 50 years or so since Bigfoot researchers have been taking out audio recording equipment into the woods. It's a, it's a very good piece for sure. Kind of linking back to the Barry area, are you coming back at all to do any follow-ups? Yeah, I think we will be. And I think uh, we probably will be this fall as well. So um, yeah, we were actually over there uh, in the spring and then in the summer a little bit. But uh, yeah, I want to go back. It's a very cool area and we get uh, a lot of reports in there. So um, it's, it's definitely a spot we'll uh, continue going back to uh, every few months to, to you know, kind of stir up whatever we can. Have you already started uh, filming, or have you got the green light as well for like a season two of Sasquatch University? Uh, yeah, we haven't got um, you know the green light and all that yet. Uh, season one just started airing um, on the 25th of September, so um, I guess probably close to the end of the year we'll start having those talks with uh, Wild TV and kind of seeing where everything goes. But but for now we're just kind of. Uh, you know, letting season one come out and, um, you know, just kind of uh, taking it all in and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see where things go. And then if, uh, if people are out in their backyards or going for a walk in the woods and they see something Bigfoot-like or maybe hear a Bigfoot noise, um, how and where can they report it? Yeah, so the best way to report it is to uh, go to our website, sasquatchuniversity.com, and uh, we have a little um, contact uh, form down at the bottom. And uh, yeah, it's super easy to fill out and just shoot us, shoot us a message and just uh, let us know what you came across, what you saw. And uh, yeah, we always we get a ton of emails when we get back to everybody. So uh, yeah, probably within, um, you know, hopefully the, the next uh, 24 hours of sending it, but sometimes uh, a few days, uh, you know, we, uh, we'll, we'll see the message and, uh, and get back to you and uh, yeah, figure out what's going on. What Barry's Talking About is a weekly podcast featuring the best Barry and Simcoe County have to offer and more. We've covered a lot of ground since we began more than a year ago, learned about a dating app aimed at millennials, how the Camp Hill Foundation is helping adults in Simcoe County and Muskoka with intellectual and developmental disabilities. And we spoke with provincial NDP leader Merritt Stiles about her plans for taking down the Ford government. You can get caught up and make it easy to keep up in the future by subscribing to What Barry's Talking About through any podcast distributor. Still to come on What Barry's Talking About, our weekly chat with Barry Colt's commentator and writer, Gene Pereira, and we hone in on the biggest threat of fire in your home, the kitchen. Some timely tips as we creep up on Fire Prevention Week. Now this. It's cool to care. It's a well-known fact blood transfusion saves lives. It's also a well-known fact that the world relies on voluntary unpaid donations to fill the need for blood. The need for blood never ends. Canadian Blood Services in Barrie is calling on you to help save a life. Please consider donating today. Appointments are mandatory and must be booked in advance. Book today at blood.ca through the Give Blood app or by calling one 888 donate 
Cool to Care is brought to you by the Peggy Hill Team. Keeping it real all the way to sold. Reach out now at PeggyHill.com. It's Cool to Care with 107.5 Cool FM. This is what Barry's talking about from Barry 360. I'm Dan Blakely. Not a bad start to the OHL season for the Barry Colts, winning two of three games. We hearken back to the week that was and look ahead to the week that will be with Barry 360's Will Conkin and Colts writer Gene Pereira. We're back at it, Gene. Great start for the Colts, 2-1 and one on the season to start. Uh, two big wins over the battalion last Thursday and Friday, then a 4-2 loss to the attack. Um, obviously, all three would have been great, but couldn't have asked for more, I think. No, it was, a, it was a pretty good weekend uh, overall. I mean, you know, the home and home with North Bay and all, you know, again, then again, Saturday, you know, in sound. I mean, obviously, the three and threes are always tough, but, you know, two tough opponents. And, you know, Barry got really things kicked off with a good start with a comeback shootout win over North Bay on Thursday in the home opener. And, uh, you know, again, that was just an outstanding uh, comeback uh, uh, a big goal by Connor Punnett, set up, uh, set up by uh, Edward Chalet there, with uh, in the final minute tied things up, and then really one of the more exciting overtime periods I've seen in quite a while, with chances at both ends, outstanding saves. Ben West standing on his head for Barry, he was just outstanding that game, and then Edward Chalet, of course, with the uh, shootout with the last shot and uh, for Barry, and just an outstanding move to his backhand, he roofed it and. Uh, just really a thrilling way to end what was a really entertaining uh, opening contest uh, for Barry. Honing in on uh, Chalet, he recorded his uh, fourth assist and had a point in all three of those games during that stretch. From what you've seen so far, what's his game on this team and how is head coach Marty Williamson going to use him going forward? Yeah, he's very highly skilled. I think he's going to be a key forward, uh, especially on power play. Uh, minutes. He's going to be one of those guys that you certainly look to at key times to produce offense. And, you know, he's just the ability to, to, to find teammates. And, you know, we saw already great examples early on. Uh, you know, uh, this is a guy that can snipe his own goals, but re- really impressed me is his ability to set up. I mean, to, to find uh, punt it back at the point, cross, uh, cross ice, and really just put it on his tape for the one-timer for the tying goal on Thursday. And then, uh, you know, equally setting up Riley Patterson uh, and a play that Patterson was able to split the defenseman, but kind of one of those just neat little backhand passes that uh, that uh, was just found Patterson. And, uh, you know, it's that kind of vision where he kind of sees ahead of the play and his creativity that, you know, is going to be a, a huge advantage for the Colts having that kind of player in the lineup. Has uh, head coach Marty Williamson, has he kind of already, like, uh, hinted to you at all that uh, he's really liking what he's seeing? Yeah, you know, I talked to Marty, especially after game one, uh, you know, with uh, what I thought was a really strong finish. And, uh, um, you know, uh, the, the the funny thing was I, I thought, uh, you know, Edwards' first two periods, I mean, you know, and you remember that he's had a lot of travel lately coming back from camp with Seattle and, uh, and so on, that it was really tough. And uh, uh, he didn't really get going. But once kind of the third period, I found once the game was on the line, he was just outstanding. And, again, I think that he really showed his skill. And, uh, uh, you know, that type of skill, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of players have that. And uh, uh, just his ability to create something out of nothing and uh, his great vision um, is just, again, to have that kind of player in your lineup, a bit of a slow start for him, uh, which is expected, you know, new league, new team. 
But I'll tell you, once he got going, he, he was just fun to watch. Going to the net, uh, you had mentioned his name, Ben West. He had some big saves, also showing some glimpses of high-level play. Yeah, great story and a great kid. I mean, uh, you know, Ben's just a, a, a local kid, a Barry kid, and, uh, you know, played last season and, uh, you know, came in this year in a real tough spot with all the overagers that Barry has in the lineup. And, you know, they've whittled that down some, but there's still going to have to be, you know, some cuts in the overager. And a lot of it, you know, his situation depends on Anson Thornton with Phoenix, who's hurt right now with a broken finger. But, you know, the, the expectations are that, you know, Phoenix, uh, the Coyotes are going to return him, and uh, if that's the case, then, uh, you know, with the overage situation, Connor Punnett and Jacob Frasca, you know, it's, it's going to be tough. But, I, I mean, what a message for Ben West to send, I think not only to the Colts staff, but around the league with just how good he's been uh, in, that, in that opener. He was just outstanding, a real difference maker. And, uh, you know, again, uh, again, and uh, I thought in game three uh, of the weekend in, in Owen Sound, I mean, they lose 4-2 empty net goal. But, again, there he, he made it. He made a highlight save that might just be the save of the year. And we see it is certainly in the first weekend on, on a glove hand where he just absolutely robbed an Owen Sound attack player. Uh, so, I mean, uh, you know, kudos to Ben West and, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, if if it's not here in Barrie, you hope he finds a place. Colts have had a break about a week. Don't play till this Saturday, and it's against the Ice Dogs. Um, on paper, an easy matchup might also be a good learning lesson for uh, this young Colts team to not take their opponent for granted. Yeah, I, I think you always got to be careful. Niagara actually played London uh, in their opener, and they played them really tough. And uh, you know, again. Uh, uh, you got to be careful not overlook opponents in, in the OHL. That's something that uh, you know you, you learn right away. Is that you know the old uh, kind of on any given night, uh, you know these are talented players, and uh, you know Niagara was impressive in their first game. I think for the Colts, you know talking to Marty Williamson, he was just happy to finally get you know some practice time here. You know they have the one game, and then they don't play again to the following. I think Friday, so they're going to have a good amount of practice time coming up here with a full roster. It's just not something they've had with players going away to NHL camps and injuries and so forth. And the ability now to kind of get the roster, develop some chemistry, which I think uh, Marty says, you know, will be key. I mean, you know, never mind working on power play and penalty kill, which is always kind of a, a progression earlier in the year that, you know, you kind of get to get things set as you get bodies in. But I think first and foremost is developing the chemistry. We've seen a little bit of that with some of the lines. I thought uh, Shell. And, and uh, Patterson have just been outstanding together. But uh, I think now that the ability to kind of get a full week of practice here and then another full week next week with only one game in between is going to really help them. Colts are back on the ice Saturday night at Sadlin Arena facing the Niagara Ice Dogs. Okay, we are coming up on Fire Prevention Week across the land. And uh, weren't you guys here last week? <laughs> We can be here every week, Dan. We love working with all of our media partners. Deputy Fire Chief Carrie Clark and public educator Kate Foster from uh, Barry Fire and uh, Emergency Service. And yes, Fire Prevention Week is next week. And what's the theme this year? Because it changes from year to year, but everything is so, so very important. Right. Yes. The theme is all around cooking safety. So it's cooking safety starts with you. Pay attention to fire prevention. 
Um, and you're right, the theme changes every year, but usually there's a rationale and reason behind why we're targeting this particular theme. And cooking-related fires are the leading cause of fire fatalities in Ontario, and we really want to make sure that we're highlighting to everyone the best cooking practices that you can exhibit in your home to be safe and avoid those potential fire fatalities. What's the, the leading cause of, of a kitchen fire? I think that it can uh, be a little bit of a, an array, depending on situations, of course, but what we're seeing is people aren't staying paying attention to what it is that they're doing. Um, they could potentially be groggy, foggy, distracted, maybe intoxicated. And in those situations, you're not able to properly attend to what it is that you're cooking. And things can get out of control really quickly when you're cooking and when you're in the kitchen. So we like to to say that people need to look while they cook and stay present in the space so that they don't a forget what they're doing, but also don't inadvertently, you know, leave things on for too long um, that and that can potentially start a cooking related fire as well. Even leaving a pot of boiling water there and it boils right down if you've gone off and done something else can can be a real problem, can't it? Absolutely. So anytime you anything is left on the stove, whether it's on the burner itself or in the vicinity of that hot burner, it has the opportunity to ignite. And once it once it starts, there's enough product in that zone to make it a significant fire very quickly. I still see people come home with their groceries and they pile them on top of the stove until they put them away and the stove isn't on, but that's still not a good practice, is it? No, we need to keep our cooking spaces free of clutter. So I like to say, you know, before you even um, are in the kitchen or starting to cook, do a visual scan of your environment. Make sure there's not clutter, but all the time there shouldn't be clutter. So keep things away. Don't store your spices and things on the ledge of your stove or oven. Things can get knocked over very easily. Um, it's not a storage space. It's a cooking space. And um, the other thing is, is that there are, you know, little children or animals running around our homes a lot of time. And so it's very easy for them to accidentally turn on a burner or knock something over. And so by just keeping that area free of clutter, you've already taken a step in the right direction. You have some clever little tricks and sayings around cooking with oven mitts and other things. Let's run down some of those. <laughs> sure. Um, some of the sayings we use are obviously look while you cook, stand by your pan. We also like to make sure that people while they're cooking are keeping their handles turned uh, to the back or sides of their stove so that if someone walks by quickly, uh, they don't accidentally catch the handle and then inadvertently um, take something off of the stove, which can then start a fire as well. So there are a lot of small things you can do to be extra safe in the kitchen. Another good thing to do is you can set a timer, you can have Alexa or Google set a timer, <laughs> you can um, you know put it on your phone or your watch, however it works in your space, just to remind you, because in our busy, busy world these days, it is so easy to get distracted one that I've heard over the years is if you have to wander away from, from the stove, put an oven mitt on. And that will serve as a really good reminder if you have to wind up out in the garden or in another mm -hmm. part of the house or in somebody's bedroom. It, it is. That's a great tip. Yeah, you can wear an oven mitt. Um, sometimes we say just carry a spatula in your hand. I don't know how many times I've been 
just distracted. We all get distracted when we're trying to do a million things at once, but by holding a utensil or wearing an oven mitt, it gives you that visual reminder of what it is you're actually working on or what it is that you're doing, which is get back to the kitchen. Now's not the time to flip over laundry. We need to be focusing on making lunch or dinner or whatever it is. Once in a while, grease catches fire. And there's all kinds of good advice and bad advice for that. What should we be doing? What shouldn't we be doing? The main thing is that I want everyone to remember that water does not go on grease. So some people may have heard this saying, maybe when you were younger, your parents said, oh, you you and your brother are like oil and water. That means they don't go together. So it's that's exactly what we like to say for grease. When you are cooking with grease, um, adding water to that uh, potential cooking area can actually spread the fire and flame very quickly. Um, and so that is not a proper way of extinguishing that fire. I like to use science to our benefit. And that means that if you get in the habit of just quite simply cooking with a lid um, that fits over your pot or pan really well, if you get into that habit, when and if something does get a little too crispy or it starts to kind of, uh, we'll say cooking goes off the rails a bit, you just quite simply turn off your burner and put that lid over top. Um, fire can't continue if it doesn't have the oxygen and the heat. Don't grab water. Don't put water on any type of cooking fire. Use your lid to help you and turn that heat from that burner right, right off. Often in our investigations of kitchen fires, will find that they tried to take the pan off and carry it to the sink or out the back patio door. And we find the pan on the floor. The human has been burnt from the product leaving the pan at a rapid rate of speed. And the uh, kitchen is now aflame in multiple spaces. So your instinct might be to put it in the sink or out the back door. Just put a pan on top of it or a lid and, and then turn the heat off. Yeah, cookie sheet. Cookie sheet are, is a universal lid. If you keep one in that little slot between the stove and the cupboards where the pasta usually falls, if you keep <laughs> one in there for just for fire use, and then it slides on everything and it fits every pan. That's the kitchen, cooking fires, but there are so many other threats uh, around the house as well. Let's talk about some of those things that people need to be to be wary of. Uh, one I, I know has come up quite often and not, I guess, a, such a big problem this time of year, but people butting out their cigarettes in flower pots outside. Yeah, smoking is another leading cause of um, home-related fires in Ontario. And many times it comes down to how are people actually extinguishing those cigarettes. So smoking should occur outside of the home um, whenever possible. That is the preference. But how you actually extinguish that cigarette matters. And if you're putting it into a pot or a planter outside, remember that that vegetation could be quite dry and easily ignite. And so we say use deep, sturdy ashtrays to extinguish your cigarettes um, and don't flick them. <laughs> That's the other thing is flicking your cigarette, you don't necessarily know where it's going to land. And if you're in an apartment building and you flick it over a balcony, it could potentially land on someone's balcony below and ignite a fire. So it's kind of that, you know, citizen aspect of being a good citizen and remembering how you extinguish those cigarettes matters. A lot of the fires that we see as well are happening in garages because people are using their garages as sort of indoor-outdoor living spaces. So the importance of cleaning your ashtrays and your butt-out areas in your garage is critical. Um, we've seen a, you know, we're in the double digits for garage fires in Barrie just in 2023. 
and uh, a lot of them are pointing back towards smokers' materials. And is there not an issue with smoke alarms in garages that they're not as effective? Did I hear that once or, is, or, or is it, am I mistaken? You are never mistaken, Dan. <laughs> the um, smoke alarms have a very um, sensitive temperature range. And so a garage that has uh, sw- big swings in temperature, uh, have dust particles uh, around them, uh, have moisture issues. Smoke alarms don't do well in those. They're meant to be inside your home. There are some new heat detectors on the market that can be hardwired into your home so that the heat detector will go off if there's a fire and alert the people in the home. Highly recommend, you know, if, if you're using your garage as as an indoor-outdoor living space or extra living space, consider getting a heat detector in there um, because it's still attached to your home and it will um, – it. It's often a place where fires can easily start, and there's a lot of fuel load in there. Let's talk about uh, smoke alarms again for a sec. I, you were here last week uh, for uh, test uh, test your smoke alarm day. Let's just remind people if they didn't do it a week ago that maybe they want to do it this week. <laughs> you didn't. We'll forgive you as long as you go right now and test your smoke alarms in your home. It's really important to make sure that they're all in good working order. We see too often um, fire-related fatalities in Ontario as a result of smoke alarms not working. That could mean the, the batteries have been taken out or they actually have been taken down or maybe they aren't um, in your home in the first place. So just a reminder that it is the law to have working smoke alarms in your home on every level or story of your home and outside of those bedroom areas, anywhere that someone sleeps, uh, you need to have a working smoke alarm and you need to regularly test them. So uh, testing every month is fantastic. That's a great thing to get into the habit of doing and checking those batteries every roughly six months. Sometimes you can coincide that with when you change your Um, your clocks when we jump ahead or fall back you can also remember I need to make sure our batteries are working in our smoke alarms and that they're in good working condition and this is something that would be great to engage the kids in because they're super at reminding you you need to do this (laughs) yes kids are fantastic at reminding you of everything you need to be doing as a parent so and, and they want to push the button they want to push the button you know what it's fun I definitely do that in my home as much as possible encourage everyone to know how to do it because it doesn't have to be a responsibility that falls to one person. Everyone can share the load. And the other thing we should emphasize is uh, an escape plan, making sure you have one and, and the kids will help you with that too. Yes, yeah, exactly. Knowing how to get out in case of a fire is so important. You only have typically... Uh, less than two minutes to get out of your home from the time that smoke alarm sounds. So by practicing your home escape plan, it just means that your muscle memory can kick in. And if that smoke alarm happens to go off at three in the morning, because it's never convenient, at least you know how to get out. You know any backup routes. You can get out to your meeting place and you can call 911 from there. If people want more information, how do they go about getting it? You can go and visit us online at barry.ca slash fire safety awareness. We have a lot of great information on our web pages there. And you can also visit us, follow us on social media. So Instagram, Facebook, or X, uh, just follow Barry Fire and Emergency Service. And we are constantly posting information that may be applicable to you and hopefully help. Thanks for helping to keep us safe. You can only do so much. Everybody else has to pick up the ball too. Yes, that's right. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much. And that's our program for this week. Thanks to Ian and Will for their input, to Matt Ladder for his technical touch, and to you for listening. 
If you like what you've heard, please subscribe to What Barry's Talking About, rate it, review it. You can also keep up with What Barry's Talking About at Barry360.com, on X at Barry360. Some of you can still see us on Facebook, and there's our daily Kickstart podcast available from any streaming service and on our website. I'm Dan Blakely. Hope you'll join us again next week.